0: In Philippians chapter 1, we'll read three verses, and we'll start from verse 3. The Apostle Paul there says to the church at Philippi, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day unto now the church at philippi was without a doubt one of the greatest examples we find in the new testament of a people working together for the sake of the gospel Uh, paul the apostle acknowledges the fact that the hand of god and the grace of god was upon this church at philippi as a matter of fact he uses this church as a model church as an example to the corinthians how the grace of god was upon the churches in plural of macedonia and the church at philippi being one of those churches paul begins his letter with praising god for the church he says in verse 3 i thank my god upon every remembrance of you he was writing the letter with the pen filled with the ink of praise He was thanking God every time he thought about this church. Every time he meditated upon the saints of God here on the church, he couldn't help himself but to thank God for them. Paul takes the time to let him know about how he felt about them without any hesitation. He makes it known and he commends them and he prays God for them for specific things. Now, this wasn't a form of flattery, nor was it uh, a point of manipulation. He was genuine commendation and praise to God on behalf of this church and there was reasons for that Paul also begins his letter with reminding the church that he would pray for them with joy he says in verse 4 always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy as Paul pondered the memories that he had with the church at Philippi it filled his heart with rejoicing with joy as a matter of fact rejoicing is one of the themes of the book Remember, the fourth chapter, he says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say, rejoice. With Paul, his prayer was for the uh, church at Philippi with joy. It wasn't with agony or grief. You know, the church at Philippi didn't cause any grief to Paul. They, They were a blessing to Paul, not a burden to Paul. They were a blessing. And how we need churches like that. How we need churches and members of the church, not to be a burden, but a blessing for the gospel's sake. Amen. The beginning of Paul's letter proves that he had sweet fellowship with the church. And in, in, by the way, this is how we ought to be. Again, we ought to have sweet fellowship around the gospel. Uh, we ought to have this among believers, especially between those that serve the church and the pastors of the church and their congregation. Ought to be that unity because of the gospel amen now the question has to be asked why did Paul thank God and pray for them with joy why look at verse 5 for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day unto now when we look at uh this verse we see three fa- main things three things I want to point out this morning first of all We see that Paul was praising God for their fellowship that they had together because of the gospel. He says, your fellowship of the gospel. Fellowship means communion, to be communion with or partnership with, Uh, and we know and understand from other passages that that's what we have. We are laborers together with who? With God, and what causes that common bond? The gospel, well the gospel ought to be the common bond. There's nothing greater than to have fellowship oh around the gospel we hear a lot of fellowship today around different things you know sports and entertainment this that and the other but for the christian his main fellowship ought to be around the things of god and in specifically the gospel everything else is secondary some of them they're just vain and mundane but there are some things that we talk about that may not relate to the gospel but they're a result of the gospel But everything that we do ought to be because of the gospel. It ought to be the very theme of our life. The church supported Paul. This is the participation that they had uh, because of the gospel, they supported him in every sense of the word. You know, he he was thanking them for their fellowship, not only the common bond, but for the fact that they would support him. As a matter of fact, the church at Philippi was Paul's main supporters. And you see that through the book of, of Philippians. Now he uses this word fellowship or uh, uh, this communion with not only because of the gospel but also we find it in second, uh, the second chapter he says in verse 1 if there be any therefore any consolation in Christ any comfort of love look at this any fellowship any fellowship communion of the spirit if any bowels of mercies now his understanding because of the gospel we have been made Partakers in the divine nature, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us, and He gives us these attributes that He says. That's another sermon for another day. But we have fellowship in the Spirit of God because of the gospel. There's no way in the world the Spirit of God can ever dwell in us if we are not saved. And the gospel is the only uh, power of God on the salvation for everyone that believes. Amen. And then in chapter 3, He says the fellowship of His sufferings. You know why Paul counted all things but dung? And verse 10, says so he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, look at this, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. The fellowship, the communion that Paul wanted to have with Christ is to be suffering for his name's sake. As a matter of fact, the early disciples counted, counted themselves worthy to suffer shame for his name's sake, amen, because of the gospel. And uh, in chapter 1, of course, we see the fellowship of the gospel. And this is the true fellowship. This is every single uh, believer's desire, or should be every single uh, believer's desire. This is where it starts, the gospel. In order for us to have fellowship in the spirit, in order for us to have fellowship in the sufferings of Christ, it must start here. It, it's not the end, or it's the beginning. It's the beginning. The early church... The Jewish church in Jerusalem, the first church, the first century church, had this fellowship. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, the Bible says, They that gladly received his word were baptized and were added about 3,000 souls. And look at this. And they continued steadfastly. Steadfastly. They didn't just continue. They continued steadfast. In other words, they were unmovable. In what? The apostles' doctrine, the word of God which is the, is the foundation in, in all that we do. By the way, we wouldn't know what the gospel is without the word of God, amen? They continued in the apostles' doctrine. God inspired men, uh, moved men by the spirit of God to pen down his words, and they continued in the apostles' doctrine. And look at this, look at the next one, fellowship. What kind of fellowship do you think they had? They would have been fellowshipping around the things of God. There's no doubt about that. Uh, look at verse 44. And all that believed were together and had what? All things what? Common. All things common because of the gospel. We know and understand that there are many being persecuted during this time. There are those that would have come to Christ, would have been ostracized by their family members and so forth. So there are a lot of people that would have... You know, picked up the slack and helped those believers that were lacking. And we see that in the book of Acts in the beginning. And then he had Paul the Apostle, who was Saul, persecute the church, which puts, pushed some of them out, if you will, to, to uh, evangelize or to fulfill the Great Commission in other places. We see that in Acts chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. Notice what the Bible says. As for Saul, he, he made havoc of the church entering into every place, and hauling men and women committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad, went everywhere, what happened? Preaching the word. By the way, at this particular point, the apostles stayed back in Jerusalem. So who was preaching the word? The church. The fellowship they had in sharing the gospel, everyone having their place. When I understand that we ought to have our place, evangelism is reading people, and there are three aspects in evangelism. But we have no fellowship in the gospel without evangelism, without reaching people. God has called us to be a beacon and a light to the world, to our community. No no matter where we are, we ought to be a beacon, a light, a salt to the earth. And evangelism has three three aspects. Number one, we win people. The Bible says in Proverbs 11 verse 30, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is what? Wise. And this, no doubt, I would say, contrasts what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, I become all things to all men, that by all means I may what? Win some. Paul knew how to be led of the Holy Spirit and communicate the gospel to every man in every culture. And we have to learn how to do that. We have to learn how to meet people's needs. Everyone's lost in their different way. Some are religious, some are so sinful to the core. You have Jew, Gentile, and today we have a smorgasbord of even Christianity that we know we need to know how to win them. Another aspect to evangelism, evangelism, which is not a popular one, is warning people, warning people. I mean, who wants to warn people? The apostle Paul says he warned people and he, he did it with tears. He made sure that blood wasn't on his hands. It's not the best part of the ministry, but we have to. Those people especially that reject God and hate God, we must warn them about the wrath of God. Paul the Apostle said, Knowing the terror of the Lord, we, what? Persuade men. We persuade men. John the Baptist said to those religious mob, he says, O generation of vipers who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come. It's a warning ministry. But it's also a witnessing ministry. You know, ladies may not uh, stand and preach, uh, you know, with with boldness, but they can testify. You see a lot of ladies testify and and witness uh, of uh, the grace of God in their own life. See the woman at the well. See other ladies throughout the uh, scriptures, you see that they're all witness. And not necessarily uh, going out and, uh, you know, trying to just be an authority over a man, but I believe every Christian is called to be a witness. I really do. I mean, if that's what you can do, you can testify. The Apostle Paul was a testimony, and Paul said that he would be a testimony to, to uh, kings. He would stand before them and testify. You see, he gave his testimony, uh, testimony multiple times before kings and governors and before the Jews. You see that in the book of Acts. You know, sharing your testimony is a wonderful thing. it's not a light matter but you need to have a testimony in order to testify and you need to know that you're saved in order to communicate that to people and tell them how you got saved and how you came to know the the Lord how do you came to know Christ last night we went out and we'll soul winning we'll outreach out there in uh, Newcastle and I met these two young men they were pacing up and down looking for a taxi they were from Adelaide I said what what seems to be the problem they said they can't find a taxi I said, oh, okay, well, where do you want to go? And he showed me the address, it was Derby Street. It was only about 10 minutes from where we were. I said, I'll take you. Guess how much do you want? I said, I don't want anything. I said, I'll take you. They'd come. I said, I'll take you, but on the one condition, you let me preach Jesus to you. Because he had already rejected the tract and he didn't want it. So he thought about it. His friend was happy. He said, fine. But he, uh, the other fellow, he was hesitant. He was, yeah, not too sure. And he goes, no, 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 it's all right. We'll find the taxi. I said, come on. Come on, just let me, let me take you. I wanna take you, and, uh, but let me, let me just share this with you. He goes, nah. He goes, 20 bucks, but no Jesus. I said, what? I said, no, 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 you can't do it. And the other fellow said, all right, 25. He pulled out a five. 25, but no Jesus. I said, no, 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 I can't do that, no. I said, I'll take you. I said, I, I said will you allow me to share my testimony? Uh, would you allow me to sh- tell you how I came to know Christ and they said yes and they still gave me the money They want, insisted that I take the money so I took them driving along for about 10 minutes Driving along for about 10 minutes telling them about my saviour was so precious I said, would ever, I said you would never see this in a Hollywood movie for your life Two men that have been intoxicated sitting in the car of a preacher hearing a testimony I mean that's, that's a story to tell uh, and uh, no doubt, let me say, at the end, they gave me the liberty to preach the gospel to them. They didn't say, no, we've got a condition. Remember, we said no? they allow me to share the gospel. And I believe that was the spirit of God had them pinned down for that hour so they can hear the precious gospel. One of them was more receptive than the other. But you know what? This is what we've been called to. The fellowship. Of the gospel. This is what we are involved in. And it's just not, again, it's just not any kind of fellowship. It's fellowship around the gospel. You know what the gospel is? The greatest definition is found in 1 Corinthians 15 when Paul was defending the resurrection. The gospel is when Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and on the third day he, ro- he rose from the get, uh, again from the dead according to the scriptures. We know the gospel is is, is Jesus dying for sinful men and raising again for their justification. This is what we have. This is the precious treasure that we have in earthen vessels. The Bible calls how beautiful are the feet of those that preach good tidings. You know why it's good tidings? Because it's the gospel of peace men have been made enmity with God and now Jesus wants to bring them together through faith in Jesus Christ and they can have peace with God again we're trying to help people make peace with God because they are enmity with God and every single person outside of Christ is a rebel against God we're disobedient children and we need to be made uh, you know, alive in Christ and reconciled to God through Jesus Christ who is the only mediator between God and man and there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be what? Saved, only that precious name. You know the Philippian jailer was one of the first fruits of the church at Philippi to be saved. Remember when he said to the uh, Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved after he saw the hand of God and the thundering and the earthquake and he loosened the, uh, the prison, uh, you know, doors. Talk, talk about a great escape, amen. But they didn't escape. And the Philippian jailer thought, well, hey, they said, we're still here. Don't harm yourself, we're still here. And that would have just shocked him because it wasn't about uh, their freedoms and liberties. It was about, to them, it was about reaching people. He said, what must I do to be saved? And you know what he said? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And uh, and we see in verse 30, and he brought him out and said, sirs, what must we do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved and thy house. And look at verse 32. And they spoke unto him the what? The word of the Lord. So they went and expounded what it means to believe on the Lord and to all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the, of the night. Look at this. I mean, again, look at this testimony: a prison guard washing the wounds of the prisoners. I mean, to me, this is you just you you fall you fall back in amazement of what's taking place here. So there's no doubt they would have received the word, they would have believed, they baptized. He was baptized, and he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into the house, he set meat before them. And what happened? And rejoiced. They fed them. Cleaned the wombs, fed them. This is the fellowship of the gospel. You know, it's amazing to see how quick he picked it up and understood what these men were all about—to bring life to the lifeless, hope to the hopeless. And this is what we have. We never should forget that the gospel is good news. Sometimes we're living in a world that make they make us think that we have bad news. You say why? Because of the re, the, the, the 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 rejection. And the faces and the the, the, the anger and, of people when you share Christ with them, because it 's so you know um, uh, prevalent and it 's growing the the, the the heathen are raging yet more and more we think, do we have bad news? now hang on a minute, we have to go back and think we have good news to tell it 's not bad news the only reason why it 's bad news for some because <laughs> They love darkness more than the light. John 3. When the people at Philippi were saved and trusted Christ, they rejoiced. And you know what? Paul rejoiced. In Philippians 4 1, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. That was Paul's joy. That was his heart, seeing people saved. And now, fellowshipping, supporting the ministry. The gospel preaching ministry another reason why paul could not help but thank god for this church was not only for the fellowship but no notice the second of all in verse 5 but their fervence for the gospel their fer- furtherance for the gospel he says for your fellowship in the gospel from the what first day from the first day from the first day that these church members met the apostle paul They were in the fellowship of the gospel. They were on it. They were mission-minded. I don't know about you, but that is an absolute blessing to me, and it's a great comparison to our day-to-day. I don't know why in our days it takes so long for people not only to respond to the gospel, but also to follow the Lord in simple believers baptism and then to get on with it and 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 get under the word and 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 remember the lord and in prayer i don't understand why i don't get it but i know and understand that there's something that exists like the church at corinth in comparison to church at philippi which church do you want to be like which church do you want to follow after and we're not talking about the wishy-washy gospel that we're hearing today we're not talking about you know, smoke and mirrors and all the light and gadgets. We're talking about the pure, authentic gospel that yes, in our day-to-day offends the common man. Who wants to be a part of that? From the first day, they identified themselves with Paul. They weren't ashamed of his chains. Can you just imagine these men going into the prison and you got Lydia there, one of the first fruits of the church at Philippi, begging Paul and his team to stay with them. I mean, I mean that's a big factor. You've got to understand, that's a big thing. As a matter of fact, when they were loosed from prison, Paul and Silas, they went to Lydia's house and they stayed with her. They would have met with Timotheus and Luke, who was with the team. I mean, that was a big thing. I mean, you're housing prison inmates. Fugitives? No. Godly men that love God, that want to serve God, that want to fellowship in the gospel, you want to be a part of it. I mean, what an example. Have a look in Acts chapter 16, turn your Bibles there. Acts chapter 16, I want you to see this remarkable, this remarkable lady. It was unbelievable. I mean, to talk about women not being in the ministry. Of course there were women in the ministry. Women did so much for our Lord Jesus Christ. You know how many women ministered to the Lord? You know how many women Paul thanked in his letters for their labor? Even women can be part of the fellowship of the gospel, in some part, in some form. And we thank God for that. What, what, a, what, a, perf- what a wonderful example Lydia was. Have a look in Acts chapter 16, look at verse 13. And on the Sabbath, when we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made, we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted hither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, worshiped God, heard us who hark the Lord open she had attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul talk about an eager listener talking about I'm all ears she attended to the things that Paul was listening to God opened the understanding of her heart she was no doubt a seeker they were worshipping by the river how committed were they back then you needed about 10 people to have a synagogue to meet indoors and it looked like they had nothing and they were willing to meet by a river wow that's commitment don't you reckon look at verse 15 and when she was baptized and her household she besought us saying if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord come into my house and abide there and look at this and she what she constrained us. She constrained us. That is amazing. In other words, she compelled them. She, she beseeched them. If you judge me to be faithful, we have a young convert here that wanted to be part of the ministry. As soon as she got saved and baptized, what a testimony. She knew the value of what the gospel was. I mean, she, they carried the gospel, the feet. She knew what it meant. How beautiful are the feet of those that share good tidings. She no doubt wanted to wash their feet. Why? So they can continue to carry the gospel. She wanted to be a part of it. She wanted to simply be a blessing to them. From the first day, Lydia and her family embraced the gospel and desired to advance the kingdom of God. And what a blessing that is. What an absolute blessing. Grace filled Christians have a strong desire to serve the Lord and advance the cause of Christ. She understood that she wasn't worthy of that, but she wanted to be a part of it. I think that's where it comes into play. Being reminded that we are not worthy to be in the ministry. Even the Apostle Paul said that to Timothy. But who counted him faithful? The Lord, by his grace, called him. You know, it's a gracious thing that God will allow us to be a part of this work. Do you see it to be a privilege and an honour? Because that's where it begins. The value of not only receiving Christ, but listen, serving him. The value in being ministers of the Lord. is a great honour. If there was no uh, reward, that would suffice us. That would be sufficient. That we would be called the servants of God. Bearing the good news. You know what Moses said. He counted the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. The reproach of Christ, think about that. You know, Paul rejoiced for the fact that not only these saints had the part of the fellowship of the gospel and they were furtherance of spreading the gospel and being partaker thereof from get-go, but lastly, I want you to see this, their faithfulness in the gospel. Look at this in verse five. He says, for your fellowship in the gospel From the first day, what are those two words? Until now. You know, this church wasn't on and off. They were consistent. They were supporting Paul from the first day they met him. Till now, where was he now? In a Roman prison. Years had gone by. Remember, he spent about three years on his third missionary journey in Ephesus. And that's not including the first missionary trip and the second missionary trip. Paul uh, uh, met these uh, saints of God not on the third missionary trip. It was earlier on in his ministry and time had lapsed and they were still supporting him and they were still behind him. Their faithfulness in the gospel. They were faithful. They were consistent, not only fervent, but consistent. He was encouraging them in this epistle also to remain faithful because it's so easy to drop the ball and to be distracted and to lose focus. And I believe that we couldn't start well but finish badly. You know what Paul said? He said, I finished my course. We need to start well, but we need to finish well. You know, there are, I believe there are th- uh, three, at least three things that I see here that are simply can be great hindrances to our fellowship in the gospel and hindering the gospel ministry. And I believe number one is danger. Persecution. Look at, look at verse 12 in chapter one. The church was concerned for Paul as he was in prison for the gospel's sake. You know why Paul was in prison? Not because he was uh, somewhat... You know falsely he was somewhat falsely accused for you know defiling the temple uh and uh and 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 and, you know all the other different things that came across but he was really listen he was imprisoned because he preached the resurrection of jesus christ and he said that he said that to the authorities he made it very clear that my conscience is clear before god and man That the reason why he is simply bound in chains and now is in Rome is because of his testimony for the gospel and specifically the resurrection which is a great part of the gospel. You know why people want to undermine the resurrection? Because if there's no resurrection it gives you simply liberty to go live the way you want. 1 Corinthians 15, we might as well just no resurrection, we might as well just live like every single person, any common man. Let's eat, let's drink and then we die. But there is a resurrection. And he defended that and he preached that. And, and, and you, you cannot preach the resurrection without preaching Christ has risen. What does that mean to us? That one day, if we are in Christ, we will be risen. But you know, we're preaching the resurrection and living out the, the gospel will put you in a lot of grief. I want you to see in verse 12. He says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out of rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. You know what Paul is saying? He's reassuring them and encouraging them. What's happened to me is only advancing the gospel. It's for the furtherance of the gospel. It's not bad. I might be in a Roman's prison is good. You know, God had already told Paul that he was a witness in Jerusalem. Now he needed to be a witness in Rome. And where to start? He was started in the palace. Wow, in Caesar's palace. How many people would he would reach there? The elite, those that were just simply in government what a way to start but what a dangerous place what a dangerous place. I don't know about you but would you in that circumstance continue to be a witness I mean you're in prison because of your witness and now you are continuing to witness have a look have a look at verse 13 he says so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the way." palace and in all places, not only there, but all places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without what? Fear. Paul was an example of someone that was a gospel minister, that he would not be moved because of the fear of man, and other Christians will look at him and say, wow. And Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. As I look to Christ, you look to Christ. Of course, in your own God called ministry. Not everyone's called to be an apostle. And by the way, there are no more apostles today. They're try hard wannabes. That's all they are. Go look at the credentials in 2 Corinthians 11 and see what Paul went through as a true apostle of God. There are many try hard wannabes. I don't want to go on the hobby horse here. Let me just stop here and just say this. Danger, persecution, will keep you away from preaching the gospel. That's why he encourages them in verse, 20, uh, verse 28, look at this. He says, and in nothing terrified by who? By your adversaries, your enemies, those that oppose the gospel, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of what? Salvation and that of God. He says, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to what? To suffer for his sake. For his sake, having the same conflict, he said, which you see in me and hear to be in me. What do you mean, Paul? Weren't you caught to suffer? Or anyone that lives godly shall suffer persecution. Maybe maybe not in the same extent of the apostle Paul, but there's got to be some form of suffering, persecution. And, And by the way, when you're on the forefront and you're constantly gossiping the gospel, mate, you get pounded. You get in trouble. You do. The more you cast out the, 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 the bread, the gospel seed, uh, uh, you know, the, you throw out the lifeline, you're going to get a lot of sharks. You're going to get puffer fishes. So when you draw the net, you get good and bad fish. And sometimes the va- bad fish and sometimes the tears, cause grief to you. But what's that for? Because they want to oppose the gospel. I don't want the gospel to continue danger will keep uh you know you away from the fellowship of the gospel i don't want to be in danger i don't want to go to prison i don't want to be persecuted i don't want to lose that not only danger but disunity have a look at verse 27 paul encourages them to be one mind and one spirit striving together for the sake of the gospel he says only let your conversation your lifestyle your manner of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ let this be your manner of life let this be what you live for that whether I come and see you or else be absent I may hear of your affairs and that you stand fast look at this in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the what? for the gospel you know disunity hinders the gospel ministry in any form in any facet any kind of disunity, you know God hates disunity, especially in the church of God. He hates carnal carnal divisions. He hates it because it hinders the work of God and the gospel preaching ministry. He wanted them to be unified in the gospel. One mind, striving together. This is our goal as a church. A lot of people say, the goal of the church is to glorify God. Absolutely. But you know what? You know how we glorify God? By doing His will. You know what His will is? That we be gospel focused. You've got these pious people say, we want to glorify God and glorify God. And, and, uh, and they, and they want to sing and that's good. We ought to. And they want to have their Bible studies and that's fine too. I'm for that. But when is it time for us to go out and be uh, simply involved in the ministry? Striving together for the faith of the gospel. When's that gonna take place? From one meeting to another meeting, hearing messages on eschatology and when Jesus comes and so forth, and I am for that, but my Bible says we need to occupy till he come. And our occupation is in the gospel. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. This is the foundation of our ministry. If we are not gospel-focused people and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ, we have ceased to be what God has called us to be as a church in the world. Because God's called us to be lights and salt. He wanted them in chapter two to be unified in love. You know what simply hinders the gospel preaching ministry? When you're not serving the saints and serving one another, when you're selfish. Have a look at Philippians chapter two, look at verse two. He says, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same what? love be of one accord one mind let nothing be done through what strife or vainglory but in loneliness of mind let each esteem other better than himself look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others look at this look at verse five let this mind be in you and he tells us the mind of christ and the life of christ tremendous account god wants us to be unified in love no love How's the gospel gonna continue? If we don't learn to love one another in-house, how are we gonna to work together to reach people? You wanted them to be unified, not only in this, but also unified in seeking the highest calling for every Christian. You know what the highest calling for every Christian? God may not call you to be a preacher or a pastor or an evangelist, but God has called you somehow to be occupying in the Great Commission, but the highest calling is for us to be like Christ. Have a look, Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 14. He says, I press toward the mark, the prize, the high calling of God in who? Christ Jesus. He hasn't apprehended. You know what the, you know what the goal of salvation is? Conformity to Christ. The goal, that's what God predestined. That's what God pre, pre, uh, ordained. That's what God decreed that those that believe on Christ, listen, will grow to be like Christ. And when you do that as a church, guess what's going to happen? You're going to live like Christ and you're going to do what he did. What did he do? Reach people. You trace his life. Look at the Gospels. He spent his life reaching people. Look at this in verse uh, 15. Let us therefore as many as be what? Perfect or matured. Be thus what? Minded. And if, any, and if in anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Fourthly, we see he wanted us to be unified in the Lord. There were two ladies in the church at Philippi who were causing a rift in the church. The worst thing that you can have is a split. Someone siding with this person, someone siding with this person. You know what God wants us to have? Unity in the Lord. And he says there, in Philippians 4 verse 2 I beseech Eodius and Syntyche, and I beseech. You know what Paul said? I beg them. I beseech you. He didn't just say, oh, look, you know, just tell them. No, I beseech them. I beg them. That they be of the same mind in who? In the Lord. He didn't want any schisms, heresies, divisions, because that hinders the work of God. Verse 3 And I entreat also, true yoke fellow, help those women which what? labored with me in the wine. Wow. Help those women. You know those women that helped me? Help them. Wow. This is what Paul cared about. This is what Paul's focus was all about. Listen, don't... Be the same mind in the Lord. You know, you got differences that, you know, don't matter. Don't... Listen, there are people that make trouble over the such petty things. God help us that we do not in any way, shape or form... Cause trouble within the church. You know what it does? It hinders the gospel ministry. Danger, disunity, and thirdly, disobedience. That's the most obvious one. If you're not doing what God calls you to do, you're disobeying, nothing gets done. You know, God you know, uses you along the way. You're going to work. You're going to do your responsibilities. We ought to be soul conscious. Along the way, witnessing to people, passing out a gospel tract, trying to help people, trying to be hospitable, making friends in our community. Invite what? We want to invest in their life. We want to entertain strangers. We want to help them see Christ. Humanly speaking, you think I really wanted to take these men? to where they wanted to go. By the way, do you know where they wanted to go? They wanted to go to uh, meet their other friends at the pub. I said, I'm not taking you to no pub. I'll take you and drop you off on the street, but you go to the pub. I'm not taking you to the pub, man. I'm not taking you there. <laughs> you say, oh, that was compromising. You should not take them there at all. Cause they will go, no. What they do is between them and the Lord, I was trying to help them see Christ. Cause they're blind. We're not Pharisees here. We become all things to all men, but I'm sure not going to carry them in in that place. And that was a testament of of itself. And they said, no, that's fine. Drop us anywhere you want. Disobedience is one of the things that simply hinders the gospel ministry. I want you to see chapter 2. Have a look. Chapter 2, we're almost coming to an end here. Stay with me. Amen. Stay with me. Philippians chapter 2. Look at this look at verse 12 he says this wherefore my beloved as ye have always what's that word obeyed not as in my presence only look at this but now much more in my wow you know what these people did not only serve in the ministry because the poor the great Paul was there when Paul left they still wanted to be part of the ministry. That's a mature church. Not, a, not I service as man pleases, but indeed serving the Lord from the heart. They were servants of God, not servants of Paul. When you're a servant of God, by the way, that's how he begins his epistle. Have a look, uh, first, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus of chapter 1, the servants of who? Jesus Christ. When you're servants of Jesus Christ and you're living for the glory of God and you're obeying the Lord, you're going to be faithful, obedient. Not because there are people, not for people, but even when there's not people watching, you're going to be faithful. Not because you have a crowd, but because there's that one, you'll still be faithful. You know, Philip left the crowd to go and witness to an Ethiopian African man in the wilderness. You read that account and have a look. The Spirit of God led him away from the crowd to go to one man. Wow. So many preachers today. You find them only preach behind the pulpit, but won't go behind a rock on the street somewhere reaching someone for the Lord. They've become too big. May God help us never to become too big That we would not go and help those in need. Help those that are down and out, the down and outers. Those that are in Samaria, not only in Jerusalem, amen. Those that need the Lord. Look at this. He says there in verse 12, wherefore my beloved brethren as you have always obeyed not in my presence only but now much more in my absence he says look at this work out your salvation in what fear and trembling the reason we see that the church at Philippi flourished and they were blessed and were gospel focused is because they had uh, been obedient to God and when you're obedient to God and you're humble listen to me the grace of God rests upon you who does God give grace to the humble so when you're humbly serving God God will give you grace and he's saying to them to work out their salvation listen to me very very clearly we're not saved by obedience we're not saved by works this is you are created in Christ Jesus unto good works we are not saved simply by working out our salvation Working out our salvation and being gospel focused and servants of God is a result of what we have in Christ. He says, work it out with fear and trembling. He's not saying here, work out whether you're saved or not. You think after all this epistle, Paul is saying to them to work out if they're saved or not. No, work it out, live it out. He's just in the context of the verse. You've obeyed not only in my absence, but much more. uh, uh, Sorry, uh, in my presence, but much more in my absence Work out your uh, salvation with fear and trembling He's encouraging them to continue doing what they're doing Our workmanship must be lived out in Christ Jesus Salvation is the work of God for us We can't be saved any other way Only through the blood of Christ. Sanctification is a work of God in us. And service is a work of God through us. And that's why God wants us to be. Look at the next verse, verse 13. For it is God, look at this. For it is God that worketh what? In you, both to what? Both to will, and what's that word there? Do. Of what? His good pleasure. What pleases God? Striving together for the faith of the gospel. Loving one another as church. Seeking to be like Christ. Being unified in the Lord. But the word do is important. Do. Obedience. Disobedience is the greatest hindrance to the work of god obedience is what pleases god listen to me it's faith that pleases god but faith obeys god and we see it from the life of abraham it's very clear it's it's not obscure it's very clear hebrews 11 men were moved they obeyed god and and paul says and go back to philippians 1 look at verse 6 i want you to see this being confident of this very thing that he who god which begun a good work and by the way what a work that is a work of grace in their heart will perform it until when the day of jesus christ what 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 work the work of salvation this is a result of salvation this is their mission-minded, their, 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 their love gift, their union in the gospel, supporting the Apostle Paul. This is a sweet Christian, a saver. He's not a good-for-nothing Christian. He's salty. He's a light. Ye are the light of the world. Ye are the salt of the earth. God has begun that work. And Paul is simply saying, God, what he started in you, will finish it. As long as we continue to what? submit to god's working in our life god gives us the will gives us the ability to form, to perform the very thing that he puts in our hearts for his good pleasure a sweet christian is one that pleases god disobedience hinders the work of god a christian who lives to please god has no doubt a walk with god paul said in verse three look at this Verse three he says i thank who, my god you know what that tells us paul's sweet communion with god we thank God. By the way, that's one of the things that God wants us to do. It's his will. For this is the will of God concerning you. That you what? In everything, give thanks. In everything. For this is the will of God concerning you. In everything, give thanks the phrase my god i thank my god is a reflection of paul's deep intimacy and relationship that he had with the lord and the only way that they can have fellowship in the gospel is that the church at philippi had the same relationship they were close to god's heart john wesley said this i want the whole christ for my savior the whole bible for my book the whole church For my fellowship. And the whole world for my mission field. Paul's thankfulness for the church of Philippi was to God. Because God did that work in them. Did they have a part? Absolutely. Of course. The yielding aspect of the Holy Spirit as he leads you and you yield to the Spirit's uh, working is, is, is our part. Don't forget, we can quench the Spirit or we can grieve the Spirit. As long as they maintain this disposition, God will continue to finish what he began in their life. Now it's amazing as we close, to me, to see what brought joy in the life of the apostles. Not just Paul, but the other apostles. You have a man in a Roman prison rejoicing. In a Roman prison. Your average man today, He's saddened at the fact that they go to a nice, classy restaurant, that his steak is burnt. And he's all of a sudden lost his joy. You have a man in prison, maybe fed, who knows, the, the, the crumbs that fall off the, the guard's table. Who knows what he's eating in there? Rejoicing. With joy unspeakable. You say what, for Paul, because of the church supporting him and he was receiving love gifts? Love gifts for what, brethren? To maintain his ministry, to preach the gospel? His love gifts weren't buying him a a, a jet or or a nice mansion or, or anything of that. His love gifts was for the purpose of serving. But even more, don't forget this. Paul's joy was for them. I want you to to see this in Philippians 4 and look at verse 14. We're almost done. Paul cared more for the well-being of God's people than he did for himself. He said in verse 14, notwithstanding, ye have well done. That you did communicate with my affliction. In other words, they supported him when he was lacking and he was in need. Before this, he says, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Uh, you know, and, and he was able to. But that didn't mean that God couldn't use the church to do it. And God did. And he was simply uh, commending them. You have well done. You have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know. Also, that in the beginning of the what? Gospel. When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desired a gift. Look at this. But I desired fruit that may abound to your account. Wow. See what Paul was concerned about? You know, whether Paul received a love gift from them to continue... ministry or not he was still continued you know what he would have been doing tent making you know paul said that he actually took money from other churches to serve the corinthians and at times he would he would be a tent maker to earn some money to live to serve god it wasn't about the love gift it wasn't about being supported financially by this church it was about the fact that they were in the fellowship of the gospel and they were going to be blessed by god that's all he quoted about. That they had treasures in heaven. That they would one day hear those words. Look at this. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That brings joy. Not only to Paul's heart, but I believe also to the Apostle John's heart. And we're done with this. We'll go to Third John chapter 1 and we'll finish with this. Third John chapter 1 and we're done. Look at this. Third John chapter 1, look at verse 3. For I rejoiced a little bit. Does it say that? No. I rejoiced greatly. I want you to see what brought joy to the Apostle John's heart. I want you to see this. These are godly men. And listen, listen to me very carefully. Little hobby horse. The Apostles didn't rejoice because a little football went over a line. Okay, that's, your, that's, that's what's happening today in our Christianity We get excited about things that are worthless And that count nothing for all eternity You have preachers today shutting down the prayer meeting And watching the state of origin instead of praying Sad, you say, oh come on, don't be too much Keep reading For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee even thou walkest in truth for i have no greater joy than to hear that my children what walk in truth no greater joy than that and we're not just talking about bloodline now my heart leaps for joy when my own children trust God, love God, follow God. But my heart also leaps for joy to see a common person from the street do the same. Stranger! And you say, Where does that come from? God, through the Holy Ghost, gives you a bit of bit of insight. You see, Abraham contended with God about Sodom. Where did Abraham get that from? Lord, if there'd be 50, would you destroy it? Was was all of a sudden Abraham more loving than God? No. He was demonstrating the heart of God. And you know what the heart of God for all of us is? We'd be saved by the grace of God and receive his son, And when we do that, we honour the Father as well as the Son. When we bow the knee, we bow to Jesus Christ to the glory of the Father, Philippians 2. But to also grow in Christ. That Christ will be formed in us. And thirdly, we will live for Christ. That the theme of our Saviour will be our theme. For the Son of Man has come. To seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus, at one point of his ministry, said, I am the light of the world. But then he looked at his disciples and said, are yeah, the light of the world. And God was going to give them the Holy Spirit to fulfill what God called them to do. And the same Spirit of God that worked back then in advancing the kingdom of God and being testimony for the glory of God is at work Today. You know, the greatest miracle today is see someone get saved and get right with God and become a new creature. That's joy. Unspeakable. Praise God. Let's pray.